This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones. I am Jarvis Davis. She is Tanitra Batiste. We want to thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen each and every day. We are free on YouTube and available on wherever you get your podcast. Tanitra Batiste. We got a lot on board today, and I am just so, so, so excited. We're going to start off with, you know, talking about the Braves and, and what Ronald Acuna is doing, and how I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. I know what we all know what's going on there. And secondly, we got the NIL and Jordan Addison and all of the rumors about tampering and all that stuff. People are just so mad. So we're going to do Big Mad Part 2 there, and we're going to wrap things up today with Chris Paul, his actions, his words that he used, whether it be on Twitter or in person, was it right? But before we do that, we got to talk about the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton, the 38-year-old marksman, finally gets a good outing. Five scoreless innings. He only gives up two hits and, you know, three walks. Okay, yeah, we can work on that. But, but I think overall – the most important thing is that he had zero runs given up, and he just starting to look like himself. T, I don't know about you, but that that mean that means a lot for this starting rotation. Uh, if this is a peek into what we're going to see going forward for uh, Mr. Morton, yeah, this was what we affectionately call the good from yes, exactly, Braves yes. this past weekend, and particularly Sunday in the series finale. Good to see the Braves get the win of the series against a quality opponent in the Brewers. Good to see the batch just completely coming alive. And I know we'll talk about that in a second, but first things first, we got to say Morton-esque was Morton-esque. Charlie Morton yeah. was Morton-esque yesterday. And when you not only look at what he was able to do across the five innings of scoreless ball, but it was that first inning as well, striking out the side and really, really giving us a peek into what he was going to do the entire game. He struggled with multiple runs in some of those first innings in his first uh, four starts. In fact, one of those innings, multiple runs and at least given up a run in those first four starts, right? So to see him really kind of set the table early, I thought that was also very encouraging to say, wow, he might be back. And we were talking about last week and we weren't trying to be premature, but we were just saying, hey, are we at the point in place where Brian Snicker has to consider, just consider, but consider the possibility of pulling him out of that starting rotation and maybe mm. moving him down and giving him an opportunity to kind of reset. But the, like you said, 38-year-old veteran that he is, he reset himself and really got a lot of his stuff going. And he looked really, really good, really, really strong and confident. And also, and you know, this being a former athlete, the mental piece is, is uh, so critical there. And to be able to get that strong start, I think really, really kind of carried him through those five innings. You know, no doubt about it. And I think that, you know, the more and more he gets good uh, production, I mm -hmm. think the more and more he can get out of, out of his head. Because, you know, I started to get a little concerned because it sure. seemed like Charlie Morton was – after every start, he was talking about, well, can I do it? And, you know, the you know story about him um, questioning himself and, mm -hmm. you know, him going into, like, real deep dives into what's going on in his head while he's yeah. out there on the mound. And I'm just like, 
I understand that you got to get it right, but I know, but sometimes the more and more you talk about things, the more and more you kind of overthink it, right? And we know how mental baseball is as far as we know that the more and more you think, the more and more it could possibly become a really big yeah. issue. So yeah. I think him putting it, putting putting that good production out there is is really good for the Braves and not only not only for the Braves but for himself as well. Somebody else that uh not somebody. Let me not be disrespectful. Mr. Ronald Acuña, nephew, went off one home run Friday, yeah. another one on Saturday, like the one on hit on Friday. I know they end up losing that game, but the dude was falling down after he yeah. trying to knock the dog on cover off the ball. I was just like, oh, my God, this dude is something else. And did T, I don't know about you. But Saturday, when he did the LeBron coming off that home run, I don't know about you, but I almost jumped out my dog on couch that time when I, when I saw him hit that ball. Right. And, you know, the funny thing is some people were super excited about Friday and that mm -hmm. home run. Some were right. excited about Saturday and that home run, but I'm kind of a little bit in the camp of Sunday as well, the near home run, because yes. there was something in Acuna Jr.'s, uh, his his move to second base that maybe a year ago we wouldn't have seen because there were times where we questioned, okay, wow, the base running. Oh, so yeah. you're just going to trot when you yeah. could have gotten an extra base? Not this go round. Yeah. Yes, he nah. thought it was out of the park, just like most people who were in the park thought. But once he realized that it wasn't out, but he realized that he was still ahead of the game, it's like, bam, I can get to second base. I'm going to do it. Starting to see some of those little nuances that maybe a year ago we didn't see. So to me, that was kind of the most exciting piece of it because you knew eventually he was going to get to the place where he is as far as home runs are concerned, right? You knew that as far as his on-base percentage, he was going to be right there where he needed to be. And, of course, where is he? But at the top of the, the leaderboard, so to speak, in Major League Baseball. And, of course, stolen bases, too. Mind-blowing. You've been back nine games, and you're fifth in the majors with like, four stolen bases, but you're still fifth in the majors. It's mind-blowing to me. But to yeah. see that maturity, just a peak, into the maturity and then just that desire to just go the extra mile. I love the way Brian Sticker put it. Dude is playing like his hair is on fire. And I'm like, <laughs> right. That was probably my favorite quote of the weekend, hair on fire. I don't care if he plays like his hair is on fire, like his bat is on fire, like his butt is on fire. Just be on fire, be in fuego. And that is nothing but a good thing for the Braves. And Fuego, he is 348 in the past seven games. The Braves are four and three in that span. So I don't think it's no secret what the secret secret sauce is as far as how the Braves get this thing turned around. It's going to have to be Ronald Acuna. Ronald Acuna is going to have to get put this team on his back and say, you know what, I'm going to hit home runs. I'm going to get on base. I'm going to steal some bases while I'm, I'm – you know, and I'm going to move over into scoring position once I get on base. Or I'm just going to go all around the bases as all. Like like you talk about with Brian Snicker, he said if he can get around the bases and that's what he's supposed to do for us and that's what he's exactly what he's going to do. And like you said, I think that it's no secret to – why this team is playing well in like in that stretch I just mentioned. Like he had two home runs and four RBIs, like you mentioned, four stolen bases. And like you say, he's at the top of the majors in that. You know, the Braves, of course, obviously get the win nine right. to two. Mm -hmm. And they are off today. And they're coming into a series against the Boston Red Sox. Kyle Wright is gonna be on the mound yes. tomorrow. 
And we know how Kyle Wright has been. He has an ERA of a one-point something, something. And yeah. when you have a one-point something, something right. in Major League Baseball, it don't matter after the point. No, exactly. If you have a one-anything, that is absolutely amazing yeah. what he's Great. accomplished so far. And I, and I think that the Braves have a chance to, dare I say, <clears throat> get to 500 if they were to sweep the Red Sox and they aren't playing that well. So yeah. I think the Braves might have a shot to you to get to 500. What you think? No question. No question. <laughs> and even making strides in the division now being in second place in the division. It's like, okay, now we're starting to see some things pick up. And also, yes, it's good to have Acuna Jr. back to be able to carry the load and put the team on his back if necessary. But it's also good to see, other players stepping up to make that not such a necessity. So even right. when you see something, I'm not going to call it bad. I'm just going to call it a hmm, little off right now because we usually go good, bad, ugly. We don't even have bad really for the Braves. I'll just call it off and say Ozzy, all these numbers have gone down ever so yeah. slightly because, of course, yeah. he was carrying a lot of the load in the beginning. But mm -hmm. at that same time, what are we seeing? Dansby Swanson's numbers go up a little bit. Yes. So when you see something like that, or Austin Riley having a quiet series, but then William Contreras has a crazy, especially game three. I mean, oh his first goodness. stolen base of his career, but on top of that, a three-run home run and just getting to the plate on bases on balls, to me, or on base, to me, those are the other pieces that say, wow, it's starting to become a complimentary thing. And that makes us confident that they can go into the final series of the homestand against the Red Sox and come away with a series win. And like you said, get back to 500. No doubt about it. Somebody else, some other good going on in the city as well. Uh, the Dallas Wings take that L to Atlanta. How about that? The Atlanta Dream, 66 to 59. T. The Atlanta Dream off to a good start. They are indeed. Congratulations to Coach Tanisha Wright and her staff. That is her first win as head coach for the Atlanta Dream. Really, really exciting. And boy, Ryan Howard, number one overall pick in the, this year's WNBA draft. Man, starting her rookie campaign out with a bang, 16 points to lead the team. But what I loved was that it was a balanced approach. Literally four of the Dream's Five starters were in double digits. That's the thing you like to see. And if you have to start the season on the road, then you want to start it on a high note because guess what? When you come back home Wednesday to face the Sparks, you bring that intensity, you bring that energy and a little bit of momentum to say, hey, we, we told you we're going to build something. We're building something solid on the south side, so why don't you come and check us out? I know I'll be there Wednesday to see what they did. But, yes, congratulations to the Dream for having a good start to this 2022 campaign. A good start, a good win for the yeah. hometown team. And yeah. now, last but not least, the ugly. Miles Robinson, torn Achilles. Obviously, he'll be done for the season, and he won't be able to participate in the, with the U.S. More than likely, he's not going to be able to participate with the U.S. men's national team. Obviously, he was a key contributor for them. This is a guy that is one of the becoming one of the better defenders in, yeah. in MLS, done for the season. Like, who, like, okay, T, like, I need you to answer this. I need you to give me a solid answer on this one. Who's not living right over there in Mercedes-Benz? I don't know, but I tell you, <laughs> it makes me want to go have a prayer vigil or run around that place seven times just, just to help them out. Because first you got the, the bad news of Joseph Martinez going down two months. At least you know that you're going to get him back, right? And we say two months, but who knows? His recovery could be expedited, right? It just really depends on what they find now that they've been able to essentially scope the knee and kind of, you know, see where he is in his rehab. Haven't heard too much about it, but it's still very early in. So then you go, you know, with that. But then 
as they always do, that organization, Darren Eels, call it Carlos Bocanegra and Company, they get right down the business and they start bringing in replacements, no problem. Same thing with Brad Guzan. That's your other body blow a couple of weeks ago. I was at that game and saw that injury happen. And it was just weird because he was literally by himself. It was just a freak accident, if you will. But again, down for the count. What do they do? They go in and they get another veteran goalkeeper. And they also have a backup to him. I think they're good to go. But this Miles Robinson, when you think about United, Five Stripes getting back to their attacking mindset and their attacking approach to the game. And like you said, just having someone who is so defense-minded, who can give you some offense, but is it just gives you the opportunity to be versatile and really be on the attack and for United to lose that just as they're kind of catching their stride again or even trying to find their stride. That's a tough blow. You're not going to replace them in one-to-one fashion, but I do know that because of the way that club works, they do not play when it comes to, I'm going to call them in-game, in-match, in-season adjustments. I suspect that they're going to go out there and do whatever they have to do, whether that is just rearranging what the starting 11 looks like for them when Wednesday when they begin their, or continue rather, open cup play, or whether they're going to go out and acquire someone. I do suspect that they'll get whatever it is that they need because you really want to give Pineda, something, Gonzalo Pineda, something that he can work with as this team, again, is going back to, back into U.S. Open Cup play and continuing to gain some momentum in MLS play as well. No doubt about it. There's, there's one thing that you can count on with this team through whatever goes on or goes down. That front office, they don't play around when it comes to trying to get issues fixed, whether in season or out of season. And we want you to stick around. We want you to stay in on ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and T because coming up next – a lot of coaches have been very upset about the decisions that college football players have been making. We'll tell you up next that they're informed. They know what the hell they're doing. We'll be right back on Locked On Sports Atlanta with ATL Day Ones. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra Batiste. This is Jarvis Davis, and we thank you guys for coming back to see what's good here with Locked On Sports Atlanta. You can check all us good. out and find out <laughs> all the good good by going to any platform out there where you check out your podcast. We will be there. And if you go to YouTube and you can do a quick search on Locked On Sports Atlanta, you'll find us as well as everybody in our network. So keep liking us, keep subscribing, keep putting those comments in. We appreciate the support and the feedback as always. And we also appreciate when you guys are thinking like we're thinking and scratching your head and wondering, where is this, whatever this is, where is this all going? And that was one of the things that we started talking about last Friday. Where is this NIL thing starting to go and there were so many layers to it where we said you know what we've got to dig back into it today and kind of look at it from another perspective another angle so again you guys can comment let us know your thoughts as well but this was interesting Jarvis when we were having this conversation or starting the conversation last week and talking about it from the perspective of what certain agendas are for certain coaches Mm -hmm. and certain programs as it relates to players. And when you look at the situation for Jordan Addison, for example, star wide receiver with Pitt, Bolitnikoff award winner, everything in the palm of his hands, offers coming to him left and right for his name, image, and likeness. And he's saying Pitt's not out of the equation, but he can't help but make decisions or considerations for other opportunities like USC was one that he said, hey, that's probably where I'm going to land. I have a friend there or 
counterpart there, if you will. So that looks like that was in play. You know, there are SEC schools after him left and right. One school reportedly, if he'd signed with them, SEC East, hmm. if he had hmm. signed with them, maybe would have, <laughs> right, right, right. Maybe would have led to a million dollar deal. So there are so many things that are in the works for him. And so many, many people have thoughts about how he should and can manage through that situation. But what I love, which is a very rare comment that you hear, but uh, Taekwon Underwood, one of the coaches with Pitt basically said, hey, all this rah-rah, all this backlash against this young man, because remember, these are young men. These are essentially kids who are one or two years removed from high school, trying to navigate these treacherous waters and so much vitriol is coming against them. He decided to take to Twitter and had some words to say, hey, back off this kid. I wish him well. Basically, of course, we'd love to have him back here as a Panther, but hey, you go with the ups, you go with the downs, you keep it moving, and he essentially has to do what is best for him. But of course, that story in a nutshell is what this whole raging debate is and continues to be and probably will continue to be until there's some type of governing entity or until everybody puts their cards on the table with real talk as opposed to some of these smoke and mirrors that we're seeing from other coaches. And, you know, a lot of the smoke and mirrors is the, the, the one thing that I've, I continue to read and continue to come across, and, and it's a lot of times it's the same message, but it's kind of worded differently. Mm -hmm. And that is that the coaches assume that these guys aren't making informed decisions. And right. I, think, I, th I don't think it's a coincidence that Taquan Underwood it comes out and it kind of puts it all in perspective because guess what? He's a former player as well. Yes. He actually also played in NFL. So mm -hmm. he understands the game. He gets where gets where Jordan Addison is coming from. And he knows that, you know, these are the things that their players have to deal with. Yeah. And it's they're gonna have to figure out ways to make informed decisions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the coaches that are getting upset and and, and and masking how they really feel mm -hmm. behind you know roster management and right. and you know, they players you know, we being have these to... windows and players yeah. players they're they're so 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 poor players they they just don't know you know what what the positions are and they don't understand I was like when you got guys like Jordan Addison now granted it's not going to be a lot of guys like Jordan Addison going to transfer right. report I just don't sure. see that happening that's yeah. why people yeah people are getting so upset and I'm just like calm down that's not that's yeah. not going to be the so you know what i'm saying so when you have a situation like this obviously obviously if he makes a decision to go into the transfer report i'm sure mm -hmm. that he has people in his corner that he leaned on and, and said you know what this might be the best decision for yeah. you or this might be something that you might need to uh revisit and say okay i know i want to blend the coffee war here i know mm -hmm. we were just coming off of the acc you know, championship. Yeah. However, my offensive coordinator is gone. gone. My position That's player is gone. You know what I'm saying? So my quarterback is gone. So yeah. if I if 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 I'm on a track, if I'm ascending to a certain level, right, as a as a player, mm -hmm. why wouldn't I consider because Caleb Williams is 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 uh is from the DMV. Both of those mm -hmm. both of those guys yeah. are from the DMV. You know, yeah. Caleb Williams out of USC. So mm -hmm. that's why he's considering like, of course, yeah. Why wouldn't I go consider going out to uh, USC? Why wouldn't I, you know, uh, open things up to to be able to talk to some different teams in the SEC East? And why wouldn't I take advantage of some money? Like we talked about last week with Zay Flowers, he yeah. chose not to go to chase the money, and mm -hmm. that's fine. That's okay. And Jordan yeah. Addison is considering the money that's one right. of the factors right and that's fine as well so because but guess what though 
the th- thing that they do have in common is that they have taken the time out and mm-hmm. thought about this thing, right? And said and they taken all the factors into play that has yes. that has to do with them. And they said, you know what? This is the this is the decision I'm going to have to make, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make it that it is best for my me myself and my family. And yeah. I don't have a problem with that. And then, you, but you have all these people, all these folks. You know, the people that are follow high school recruiting a little bit too closely, you know, those people, you know, the people that are, are borderline stalkerish when it comes to mm-hmm. all of these 18 year olds or 16 year olds and 17 year olds and where yeah. they're going. Those yeah. are the people that, that are the problem. Y'all are the issue because mm-hmm. that you all don't understand or never been in a, a position to be able to capitalize or have value. You know what I mean? Like when you like, okay, you mean tell me you turning down six figures, have somebody right. come in come in on on a, on a show the other day. Like, mm-hmm. well, you mean somebody's stupid for uh turning down six figures. Like, you don't know that person's value. Exactly. You, you don't understand that person's value. These people understand their value. You know right. what? Like six hundred thousand doesn't move me. That's well, and that's just what it is. Yeah. And all money is not good money. So you, you don't, go. we don't know all the details of what was attached to that $6 million. And the other piece. 600,000. Yeah. Or 600,000. Excuse me. Thanks for the yeah. correction. If I, and I don't know if you've seen this anywhere, if you have Jarvis, Hey, I stand corrected. But the piece that I was thinking about as well, because we had talked about the possibilities of setting up a version of a union, if you will, so yeah. that these players can begin to get, their rights respected and protected the way you would in a professional space. I think the other piece is this. I know that the NCAA theoretically has these things in mind. You know how each professional team uh, on a league level and then with individual teams, they have basically a player personnel department. And that Mm -hmm. department has like multiple entities. So one may be about helping you with your finances. The other may be if you want to continue your education. The other may be to help you from a mental health and awareness perspective or what have you, but it's essentially player wellness, holistic mm-hmm. player wellness. So mm-hmm. if all these individuals really have a concern about the players and what this is going to mean to <laughs> right. them and for them, right. are a are tools being put in place to have something similar like that for each respective team, even even if you just start small, you know, even if you start maybe at the D1 level, but maybe you take a particular conference and say, okay, for year one, we're going to install this kind of player development arm. And we're Mm going to make sure that we help these guys out financially with their mental health and wellness as well. And with their educational pursuits, I I don't think it exists at least not anywhere more than in theoretically, because like I said, the NCAA had some semblance of it, but it was never anything that was really instituted or execute it properly. Yeah, and and that's and that's what you don't hear from the side who has issues with it, right? You know, the coaches, maybe even the ADs. You know, they want regulation. You know, you got the coaches association going to Congress trying to figure out something, or hey, please help us with this, right? So right. if if you talking, if you're asking for help, you need to come up with ideas like yours, like such. You know, so you can have those those situations in place where maybe it's a NIL specialist, like right. maybe you have an NIL, like t- like athletic department should hire, maybe hire those you know what i'm saying like 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 that would that would make sense to me like there's a you know maybe three or four people that can handle 
or or at least broker, at least be the middleman. So the players won't be too focused on that, you know, and and not be, and be more concerned with you know you know working on their education. We're gonna say getting working on their education yeah. and you know potentially getting those NIL deals. So and and that's that's the thing that I think the main thing that is if you have so many issues with it, you need to come up with come up with a plan. Like come up with a plan on on how you're going to attack that thing because yeah. I I believe I wholeheartedly believe that this this whole NIL situation will correct itself because mm-hmm. it's going to yes. all boil down to people making the right decisions exactly. for them and yeah. if you have a problem with that decision shame on you mm-hmm. kick rocks move on because yeah. this is what it is this is like this is the world we live in the NIL world and they coaches going to have to deal with it mm-hmm. players are going to have to deal with it and fans of 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 of, of those particular college football teams are going to have to deal with it as well yeah and, and you do just you could do just like the professional leagues do you could have your version of a rookie symposium a three-day event bringing in all of these specialists who are doing group sessions and one-on-one sessions. And, you know, in the NFL, for example, NBA, I think so as well, you will get fined if you yes, don't sir. attend rookie symposium, but it's really for your own good. Do something similar. Have an incentive or, unfortunately, a penalty for something like a rookie symposium for these college athletes. Make it standardized. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just modify the wheel to something that actually will work for those guys. So, And speaking of not reinventing or doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, it seems like we got to talk about this and for the culture until folks get it that certain people don't always look the same. And certain other people need to understand that if you do what you do, there will be consequences and repercussions for your actions. You want to know what we're talking about? Come back and check us out on For the Culture on ATL Day Ones on the other side. Welcome back into ATL Day Ones. I'm Jarvis Davis. That's Tanitra Batiste over there to my my left or my right, depending on which, how you're looking at the screen. You know, <laughs> it's depending on how you're looking at the screen. And uh, we just want to thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen each and every day, free and available on all your podcast platforms. T, this is for the culture. You know, um, this is something a segment that we love to do. You know, because it is the intersection between sports and entertainment, and we're gonna throw some culture in there as well. Yes. And sometimes we're just gonna make a topic fit. You know how we want to make it fit. That's just the beauty of it. <laughs> so um, we're gonna start off with uh, Chris Paul. The the Phoenix Suns lose as Chris Paul filed out. You know, it was a very frustrating game for him. And the Dallas Mavericks win at home. And we all know how how the get down is in Dallas, right? They are they are a raucous crowd. They have Luka Doncic quite crazies all over the place, and and I don't think this story kind of speaks to to that. Not necessarily they're fans of Luka Doncic, but you know Dallas mm-hmm. Mavericks fans. And there was this one particular young man. I mm-hmm. say young man because it looks like he as if he was like a teenager, mm-hmm. and um, reportedly had put his hands on Chris Paul's mother in in the in the crowd in some form or fashion and and the, the video that has gone viral it leaked, uh, leaked, leaked out it was showed Chris Paul trying to come at the, the young man of course he didn't get close to him because you know had people holding him back and everything and, he, and the young man was being escorted out of the arena mm-hmm. and he looked at him he said I'll see you later now for those who may not know what that means that was saying like if I see you I'm going to put my hands on you. And a lot of people seem to be upset by, by that. But let's kind of 
put this thing in perspective, right? This is Chris Paul's mother. He's at work playing a professional game. And he hears or he he finds out that uh, some stranger, some mm-hmm. person, has put his hands on his mother. And apparently got his, you know, his wife and his kids to the point where they feel like they weren't safe. Mm-hmm. At, at while he's at work. Right. And I think that that type of response by Chris Paul was measured. Yeah. Based off of, you know, what's going on. Because like I don't know, I don't know about you, T, but I've been in a situation where I've gotten a phone call while I was on my way to work and my, my, my wife felt like she was in danger. And when I tell you so many things are going through your mind and mm-hmm. so many things are just flying off the handle as to how you're going to respond. And I think that, you know, for him to not respond in the manner to go off and haul off and fire off in the little young man's face and give him, give him a shiner before he leaves. I think, I think, I think all, all should be well and everybody should re- respect that at this point. Yeah. And to add to that, this is the situation that we have heard of most recently. He has played ball for over a decade and a half. How many times has he seen this type of right in your face or right in your space situation that has happened to him or his children or his wife previously, possibly even his mother? But emotions are flaring and so you take you know the historical perspective and i'm quite sure this is not the first time he's had to manage through something like this and then you take the fact that on mother's day your mother is being disrespected and you say to yourself that's a lot for anybody to manage through and even you know in their workspace and i was thinking to myself granted nobody else's workspace is typically filled with twenty thousand other people granted however Um, if someone were to come into your workspace in your office space and essentially kind of threaten you if you will what would you do how would you react think about your real-time reaction not your reaction after you had a chance to view his video multiple times and then say what you would do think about in the moment what you would have said or done now knowing me i probably would have said you know what little boy I can't come for you, but <laughs> nephews who will watch your back. Because right. Chris Paul does have two sons, I'm just saying. But anyway, to, yeah. to be honest with you, I, I totally understood the, the frustration because that is his mom. We've seen this happen to players' mothers. It's Mother's Day, too, by the way. Yes. You, know, you know, like, come on, man. Have some respect for your elders. Like, what are yes. we talking about here? Like, right, and we've gracious. seen this happen. We've seen this happen for players before. So yeah. that, and, and this, to me, even speaks to the larger issue of whether or not it's okay for that to happen. And if we need to look at the possibility of keeping fans from having that much access, because I do believe far and away, basketball is where you have the most access. I've seen it. I've been a part of it as the in-game analyst for the Hawks, where security has had to tell someone, hey, man, you keep trying to talk to her. You keep trying to step in her personal space. We're going to have to escort you out of here. So this may be one of those things where they have to, as a league, the NBA has to revisit how you manage through the quote unquote access that fans have to players. It does you know what? sense down there. And to be honest with you, I don't really I don't necessarily have an issue with access to players, right? Because, you know, they come into it, they pay their pay their they pay their ticket fees to get in and you can heckle and do all that all that stuff right to the players. 
where I draw the line, right? I'm drawing the line on, on my sheet of paper right now. Like, families should be off limits. I think the punishment for this young man, get him out of there. He can't come to the uh, Dallas Mavericks game ever. I don't care how old he is. I don't give a damn. Because at the end of the day, outside of just certain type of having a certain type of etiquette, right? Chris Paul's mother. I don't right. know how, exactly how old she is, but I'm going to assume. I'm going to take Regardless, a wild guess. She's easily in her 60s, right? Yeah. Let's just say that. Even if she's in her 50s. Right. Doesn't matter. That's your elder. Why, why are you even acting like you're about to put your hands on somebody? Yeah. And that's somebody's mom. Like, right. That is just, it, I just can't fathom that. Like, that's, that's yeah. an offense yeah. that for me, you know, in that particular situation, I would have been okay if Chris Paul would have punched him in the face. Yeah. Sorry. Like I'm, I'm I don't I don't care. Like cuz at the end of the that day might like, have been one of those where you apologize later. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, like you said go, coming going to going to break. It has to be consequences for your actions. You may feel like you can do what you want to do, but guess what? What happen you know what happens when, you know, people get consequences for what they want to do and they don't like them? And more, and if it ends up them them being embarrassed or or kicked out or getting beat up or something like that, they won't do it again. So right. you know, and then it, it goes. The video goes viral. The one thing I love about social media, it goes viral. The video goes yeah. out, and you know what? It's gonna stop some other idiot from trying to doggone engage somebody's mom. Like right. that's what that's where I draw the line. Don't and get into a space where you're doing stuff like that for people's families because they have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on the court and right. if you're trying to heckle to try to get your team to win and you feel like in your mind that's what you need to do you need to focus on what's going on the court and not other people's families that's ridiculous and let me clarify when i say heckling it's not your general heckling of hey man you know whatever you have to say in favor of your team versus the other but i will tell you there's a fine line with heckling mm -hmm. because sometimes it goes right to the edge and the heckling typically you can tell when it's about to lead to something physical where you lay hands on a player or you lay hands on someone who's associated with the team so that's why i say at some point we've got to watch out and i do believe as well that somebody should be asking where are these parents because there need to be consequences and repercussions <sighs> for their nice. actions but hey we could talk about this all day because it does have so many layers it's not always as cut and dry as we would like it to be although this one seems pretty cut and dry to us so we'll come back tomorrow and we will talk about what we hope is going to be a cut and dry series win for the braves we'll kind of preview for you the braves red sox series if there are any updates on miles robinson personally we will certainly react to that and bring you any and everything all sports atl but in the meantime you guys have a great afternoon it is a wonderful day in the a a great evening whenever you try to check us out we hope that you check us out first and we hope that your second look see for these uh sports network locked on sports network that is in atlanta will be hitting hard with john Chuckery, straight no chaser from our boys so thanks again for rocking with us we will see you guys tomorrow y'all come back now you hear <laughs>